Welcome to episode 82 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast for the week of December 3rd, 2015. That's right, we are less than a month away from Christmas, and hopefully you all had a fun and relaxing Thanksgiving. I know I certainly did. Got to go home and spend time with family for a few days and, of course, eat way too much food, ate way too much turkey. But I think everyone does that on Thanksgiving. But coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with an author I met at a convention about a month ago. Her name is T.S. Barnett. We met at FandomCon in Fort Walton Beach. And I wanted to have her on the show uh, after looking at her website to talk about her book series, The Beast of Birmingham. And what kind of intrigued me was the headline of her website. And it says, Every Villain Has a Story. And for those that know me, know that I love villains, movies, comics, uh, TV shows. I'm always interested in the villain and the villain's story. So I wanted to ask her, was she a fan of villains growing up? Uh, Who were some of her favorites if she was a fan or is a fan? Uh, Why did she want to become an author? And she even has a love of video games, and I've been getting back into video games recently, so wanted to talk with her about that, and it was a really fun conversation, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it, and be sure to uh, check out her work at tsbarnett.com, that's B-A-R-N-E-T-T. But before we get to my conversation with T.S. Barnett, I have to ask you a question. Are you a fan of new original music? If so, you should check out Atomics, the brand new EP from my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, featuring the sweet vocals of Joey Trincali. It has three brand new tracks, including their single Tomorrow's Plan, which is also the theme song of this very podcast. This EP is unlike anything the Unicorn Wranglers have done before, so support local music and check out Atomics on iTunes and Spotify. And it's only $2.97, people. The holidays are coming up. It'll be a great gift. Forget the latest electronic device that's going to be outdated before you even buy it. Forget all that stuff. Just buy Atomics. It's great music for a great price. You can also follow the Unicorn Wranglers on social media. Find them on Facebook. And you can also follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Wranglers. And be sure to visit their website, theunicornwranglers.com. And they're also playing at the Handlebar if you're in the Pensacola area. They'll be playing at the Handlebar this Friday, December 4th at 9.30 p.m. So be sure to come out and check out some amazing music. And now, here is my conversation with T.S. Barnett. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience here with my very special guest this week, Author Miss T.S. Barnett. Tess, how's it going? Doing all right. Good. So I, I wanted to uh, start off by asking, because uh, we met at uh, FandomCon a couple of weeks ago, uh, how many conventions have you done, or do you have a rough estimate? Uh, not that many so far. I think Fandom was my third or fourth. I've, I've done a few around the, the Gulf Coast, but I'm not what I'd call a veteran. I gotcha. Someone, something I've always been curious about. Uh, I've interviewed, you know, several people who have done conventions, but I've never really asked. As a vendor, what really goes into preparing for a convention? Like, whenever you go, do you decide I'm going to have this set amount of books, or 
you know, other things that you might take? What exactly goes into preparing to go to a convention? So, so much stuff <laughs> that you don't even think about um, until you're actually there. Uh, for an author, obviously, you have to think about how many books you're going to take. Uh, books are really heavy, so how are you going to get them all there? Are you going to make people drag them up with you? Um, do you, How much money are you going to spend getting the books, and do you think you'll be able to sell them all? Um, and there's a lot of stuff uh, that you just don't think about until you're there, like safety pins. Especially we had that same <laughs> problem when we were there. If you're at a, at a convention where people are cosplaying, stuff happens, uh, you know, people come up and they say, oh, do you have any tape? Do you have any safety pins? Do you have a Sharpie? You know, so I, I like to keep that stuff at the table so I can help people out. Yeah, we, because uh, I was at FandomCon as well, and we had forgotten safety pins and tape and a tablecloth. Yeah. For our table. So we had to make a really fast trip to Walmart, which there wasn't really a Walmart in a convenient place. And uh, so we had went and got the, the tape and whatnot, and you know, we, we still have it, and it's one of those things that it's like you forget it once, but you usually don't forget it again because we I, – I don't know what happened. Like it always seems like you have to forget something, it seems like. Yeah, I think, I think that's part of the good thing about conventions too, though, because you can always ask your neighbor for stuff that you forgot. And I think that with vendors and in Artist Alley and stuff, people are very willing to help, and they want to make friends and be good to each other. That's true. I was at uh, Bridal Expo last year in uh, in Pensacola at the Bay Center, and I needed a pair of scissors because I hung up my banner for uh, this was when I was promoting like my freelance video work. But I had to hang up a banner behind the table, and I had rope, but I didn't have any scissors. So I asked the person at the table next to me, I was like, "Hey, do you have a pair of scissors I can borrow?" And they open up this giant what looks like a fishing tackle box that has anything imaginable in that box so right. it's it's like there's always one person there that has everything yeah there's always the the con mom oh exactly that, that's a good term the con mom you should uh you should get that trending <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was reading your bio on your website and it said that you grew up in the south like are you from the pensacola area yeah i'm from pensacola okay cool cool uh growing up uh, what, what were what were some of your interests um books obviously <laughs> lots and lots of books um i always really liked the the classics um the stuff that everybody else hated reading in high school was always my favorite stuff um so that obviously reading classics led me into reading a ton of history so I, I almost exclusively now read nonfiction. Um, but I was always just kind of a giant nerd about books and history and that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I really enjoy reading and learning about uh, ancient cultures specifically, you know, Egypt and Rome and China and all of the, the classic things that people study, I guess. What specific classics were you into? Um. Well, my one of my favorite books of all time is Crime and Punishment. Mm -hmm. um, that that was a big one for me. Um, I really like uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, 1984, that sort of thing. 1984 was a, had a huge effect on me when I first read it. 
Yeah, I, I haven't read that book specifically, but I, I've heard good things about it. It's you, you need to get on it. <laughs> it's you can't really describe it to somebody who hasn't read it. Yeah, I I used to be really big into reading uh, when I was a kid. Like my the day I look forward to every year in elementary school was the book fair. <laughs> yeah, because <that> I remember <laughs> in our little library because I, I I'm from the area, but I'm not exactly from here. So I I grew up in a really small town, and we had a small elementary school library, and the walls would be covered with shelves of books that you could buy, and that that was my favorite day of the year, because I would spend a lot of time just looking at the books. Yeah, the the book fair was always the highlight of elementary school. <laughs> now, growing up loving books, like did you know from an early age that you wanted to be a writer? I don't think so. Um, I don't know that I ever thought, you know, like, I, I really want to be a writer. This is what I want to do. It just sort of happened. Uh, you know, when I was in middle school, I wrote really stupid fan fiction. And then when I was in high school, I wrote slightly less stupid fan fiction. And, you know, I started doing some original stuff. And I, you know, I, I just sort of do it because I kind of have to. If I if I don't, then I've just got all these stories in my head and nobody to talk about them with. What did you write fan fiction of? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, a big one for me when I was in middle school and early high school was uh, Gundam Wing fan fiction. I wrote mm. a lot of that. Um, there was a, a lot of various anime that I watched when I was that age and we wrote lots of stupid self-insert original character type fan fiction. It was terrible. I went through, I, I did a little bit of fan fiction writing, but I, I used to read a lot of fan fiction when I was especially in high school and middle school. And my favorite to read and a little bit that I wrote was uh, Pokemon <laughs> but because that's I, I've every author I think that I've interviewed on this podcast I've told them that but I, I used to have notebooks filled with stories that I would write so I mean fan fiction is fun and it's a good outlet for people who you know either are aspiring to be an author or a writer or you know those who just want to do it for fun yeah I think fan fiction is a great thing like I, I you know I make fun that we wrote stupid stories but as you know as long as you're having fun then who cares you know and I think a lot of people who go on to write seriously started writing fan fiction oh absolutely I mean you you have to start somewhere right yeah well it's much easier to do fan fiction because you're working with an established universe characters that you know already you don't have to worry about designing all that stuff and coming up with characterization which is sometimes one of the most difficult things you can just work with what somebody else has already made and work on writing. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things that, like you said, it's an established universe. So it helps you kind of get your story development skills honed because you can put your own twist on stories. And then as you get better, you can develop your own characters. Yeah. I, I think, fan fiction is a lot of fun and I, I don't really do it anymore. I still read it sometimes, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't read fan fiction in years. I wonder if fanfiction.net is still, uh, is still available to read. 
I think it it's still there. I don't know how much it gets updated anymore. I know a lot of people use uh, Archive of Our Own now, mm-hmm. and that's sort of becoming the new fanfiction.net. Archive of Our Own. I'll have to check that out. It's pretty cool. It, it's the same. You know, you can sort through all of the different fandoms and what characters you want to read about and that sort of thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. But uh, what was the inspiration for uh, your your first book that you wrote, uh, which is called Under the Devil's Wing? Uh, what was the inspiration for it, and what exactly is the book about? Well, a lot of my inspiration comes from music. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll hear a song, and it'll just make me think of a certain type of person or a story or something. Um, and th- <laughs> this one is a little bit silly, but um, years ago, I, I heard that Carrie Underwood song, Cowboy Casanova. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just immediately had in my head this image of this guy, this Southern werewolf who was bad and he knew it and he just reveled in it. Um, (laughs) so that was how Sam started and, uh, he's changed some since I first imagined him, but, uh, I, I spent ages trying to write this story about, a girl getting bitten by a werewolf and trying to come to terms with it and blah, blah. And it was so boring. Um, so eventually my husband said, you clearly like this bad guy more than anything else. So why don't you just write about him? And it was like, like a switch just clicked on. So, um, under the devil's wing is about Sam, who is just a truly awful, awful person. Um, he he drinks, he fights, you know, he screws around and he kills people. And mostly he just does not care. Uh, and the, the conflict in the book starts with Alicia, who is a girl he attacked and he left her severely injured, but she lived, um, which is rare. And she joins up with a group of werewolf hunters to, to try and track him down and pay him back for what he did. Now, something I wanted to uh, to elaborate on a little bit, because... Uh, on your website, and it's also interesting that you say you eventually wrote the story about this awful person. Uh, the slogan you have on your website is "Every villain has a story." So, I did. Have you always been a fan of of villains? Like, it was a you know, like a subconscious thing in the back of your mind. Do you think as to why you wrote so much about this character? I, I think so. I mean, I've always really liked the bad guys i'm always rooting for the villains in movies they're always the most interesting characters to me i think they are like and for me the the worse they are the better um and there's so many different kinds of villains i think you know there's like classy pretentious ones and there's like the tragic ones that you really feel sorry for like they were trying to do good and it went bad or like there's you know like i tried to do with sam he's just completely unrepentant um so uh, I think a lot of my favorite characters are the ones that nobody really seems to relate to. Um, like I mentioned crime and punishment and Raskolnikov is the main character and he's, he's not really the villain since he's the protagonist of his own story. But, um, you know, he, he kills this little old lady and her daughter spoilers. Holy from, crap. <laughs> spoilers from 1866. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> And, you know, he keeps going back and forth. He feels justified about it. And then he feels really miserable and he'll give a beggar some money and then he'll call himself stupid for doing it. And like 
he has this really self-important image, like he's better than everyone, but also he totally hates himself. Um, and he was really my, my main inspiration for wanting to get into the mind of these people and see what makes a person bad and what makes a person good and what makes them do the things that they do. Now, who, who are some of your other favorite villains that you like? Like it could be from other books, could be from movies, TV shows, uh, who would be some of your favorites? <laughs> I, again, I guess he's not really a, a villain villain. Um, but Patrick Bateman, Bateman from American psycho is mm -hmm. definitely one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, He's just his total lack of humanity is awesome. Um, but, you know, I also really like the ones who are just bad and there's not really an explanation. Um, you know, I, I like the White Witch a lot from the Chronicles of Narnia and, um, you know, pe people like Maleficent, who is just straight up. Oh, you know, you didn't invite me to this party. Death. That, that's it. Also, I'm a dragon now. Yeah, Maleficent's definitely up there on my list too. I, I I'm I don't know why, but whenever I would watch a lot of Disney movies as a kid, I would always love the villains. Like I it was, and this might come off as weird, but you know how Disney has so many great you know sing along songs or musical numbers in all their classic animated movies. My favorite of the all those songs is the Gaston song. <laughs> from Beauty and the Beast, just because he was such an over-the-top villain to me, and the yeah. song and the song was just so catchy. Yeah, well, that's a good one. I, I think Disney is really good at at making villains, and they're frequently just bad for no reason, and we don't even care because they're just so interesting anyway. Did you ever see the Maleficent movie? I didn't. I purposely did not see it. Um, because I don't really feel like she's a person that I want to empathize with. I really, what I really like about Maleficent is that, I mean, she's a fairy, right? So mm -hmm. she wasn't invited and that's really rude. So, you know, she was going to do what fairies do. And I, I didn't want her to have like a sad, sappy backstory that made me feel sorry for her. I gotcha. Cause I, I know Disney is going through this phase where they're, redoing all of their classic animated movies as live action ones like they did cinderella right. uh, the, the jungle books coming out uh they just announced i don't know if you know this but they're doing the little mermaid oh yeah i i heard they were doing the jungle book and that one looks really cool yeah so i wonder if with those if they might delve a little more into the backstory of the villains yeah you know i, I think possibly starting with uh with Wicked, it became sort of fashionable to do the villain story and make them relatable, but it just doesn't need to apply to everything. That's true. And I, I never saw Wicked, even though I do like the Wicked Witch of the West. The the book, I felt, was unimpressive, but I, I really like the, the Broadway show. Yeah, I, I've I, Like I said, I haven't seen anything about it. Like I remember the, the new movie they came out with a couple of years ago with James Franco and Mia Kunis, which I did you ever see it? Yeah, I did. It was really weird. <laughs> yeah, I I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't that big a fan of it. Like it just it didn't. Which I wasn't a huge Wizard of Oz fan. Like I don't hate it, but I wasn't, you know, a diehard fan. But it was just kind of meh to me. Yeah, you know, I um I'm not a huge Wizard of Oz fan, but uh, I I was really into seeing that one because it looked like 
the Wicked Witch was going to actually be wicked. But mm-hmm. then, you know, it turns out that she turned wicked because of some boy, and then I just didn't care anymore. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird that, you know, she turned evil, becomes one of the most iconic villains in film history because a guy didn't feel the same way that she felt. Yeah, I, that's where the movie lost me. Yeah, I was expecting some kind of, you know, I, I guess I don't really know what I was expecting. I was just expecting something a little more than that. Yeah. She looked cool. Yeah, yeah they they did a they did a pretty good job with the the prosthetics and you know making her face look uh, look like the iconic Wicked Witch. Yeah, I, I, I she's one of the ones though that like I'm okay with her just being bad. It's like it's okay if it's like well you killed my sister and you stole those shoes so I'm going to kill you. I think that's fair. <laughs> right. So you you like the just the villain to be bad you don't you don't like the tragic backstory or you know you finding out that they're bad for not really a good reason well i think that sometimes it's fine if you want to have a character who who is tragic then that's fine but not every person has to be that person not every villain has to have a sad story or like a dead wife or whatever you know some people are just bad and that's the way it is. Right, right. No, I, 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 I totally agree with that. But uh, moving back to your book, Under the Devil's Wing, when you wrote it, did you have the idea of eventually turning it into a series? Um, well, kind of. I actually wrote all three books before I ever thought about publishing them. Um, they were really rough. They were bad. Um, the, they were really you know, meandering and I didn't really know what I was doing. And it, it took me writing all three before I knew what story I really wanted to tell. So I just scrapped what I didn't need and I started over. Um, and I, I just started writing them again. And in the end, I, I think I maybe saved 30 or 40% of the original books, um, which I consider a win. Uh, but I, th- I think the series is much better for it. And I, I'm definitely interested uh, in reading them because I, I think that's interesting that you wrote all the books before you published them. So it's kind of like, you know, you know how the series goes so you can release them. Did you, did you release them, say, like every quarter or how, how frequently did you release them? Well, after I, I wrote all three of them the first time, uh, I wrote the first one again mm-hmm. and I and I published that one. But I, I knew where I was going. So I, uh, I then wrote the second one and the third one and published them as I finished them, but they were, they were all rewrites essentially. Right. Right. That's, that's really cool though, that you, you went back and and did that. But, uh, what are some of the other books that you've written? I know you had one come out really recently, right? Yes. I, um, I had one that just came out. Uh, that's the first book in a new in a new series called The Left Hand Path, and this first one is called Mentor. Um, it's about Nathan, who's a witch, uh, who's been he's been keeping himself young and beautiful for the last 250 years or so uh, by stealing youth from other people. Of course, he I would say he's kind of a gray villain. Um, he's a total hedonist. He just does whatever he wants in the minute. Um, He likes nice things. He likes to drink and have sex and just generally be a complete menace. 
so then Elton, who's a chaser, which is sort of a witch cop, uh, has finally tracked him down. And Nathan is like his Zodiac killer. Like nobody has ever come close to catching this guy before. And Elton just knows that he's finally going to be that guy to catch him. But then when they meet, Elton is expecting this like super villain. Um, but Nathan is cheeky and he laughs and he makes jokes and he has a good time. Um, and he has this girl he's taken in, Cora, who he's teaching to do her magic and he treats her like his own daughter. And so he's sort of, he's not at all what Elton is expecting. And over the course of the story, they actually end up having to work together to fight something that's even worse than Nathan. So the story in general is just about expectations and judgment. And it's kind of a buddy cop traveling story, except with voodoo. I like that analogy, buddy <laughs> cop with voodoo. That, that, that's, that's already got my interest picked <laughs> up because I, I, I love like the old buddy cop movies, uh, like lethal weapon that I watched growing up. So that yeah. with a little bit of a you know different twist to it, I think could be really cool. So, and how how many books uh, uh, do you do you know how many books are going to be in the series? Right now, I only have plans for three, but it depends on how it goes. I gotcha. So uh, something uh, something else I wanted to ask: uh, Do you have any other books that you have in the works besides the sequels uh, to that one? Um, right now it's mostly sequels for me. Um, I am working on the, the next Left Hand Path book, um, and a sequel to, uh, a book that also came out recently, Those Words I Dread, um, which is just kind of my trashy gay romance guilty pleasure project. Um, but my, my next main project, uh, is about a guy who is a, a medium and an empath, and, uh, he's kind of struggling to come to terms with his powers being real uh, after he's been he's been diagnosed with schizophrenia and he's trying to deal with that and realizing that he's not actually schizophrenic. This is actually happening. So that one, you know, it's about accepting yourself and realizing your own self-worth. And even if you're different, you know, you, you still deserve a life. Right. And uh, another thing I wanted to ask, also when I was reading your bio, uh, said that you were uh, that you like to play video games. <laughs> too much. <laughs> were too you were you a gamer growing up? Yeah, um, I have a brother who's nine years older than me, so I had all of the gaming systems and stuff that I was really too young for. So you know, I like I had a Super Nintendo when I was very little, and uh, I played a lot of Final Fantasy on that, and I, you know grew up, continued to play Final Fantasy and role-playing games and that sort of stuff. The Super Nintendo was the first console that I ever owned, so it, and it's still my favorite because I had so many games for it, but I never got into Final Fantasy, really. Yeah, I, I got my start playing video games, really. I, you know, you, you play stuff like Mario and stuff that doesn't really require a ton of investment, like, mm -hmm. emotionally. Um <laughs> But uh, I started playing Final Fantasy 2 or 4 or whatever, depending on it's a big thing in the community. Um, but uh, Final Fantasy 2 is what it was called on the, the Super Nintendo here. And that, that was my entry 
you know, it was the first time I'd ever realized that a video game could have like this big sprawling story and characters that you really cared about and that sort of thing. Yeah, everyone I know that has played Final Fantasy swears by it and they love the whole series and I've seen gameplay from it and it looks like a lot of fun, but I've just never sat down and played one. Like my I was a Zelda fan growing up, so Right. That that was that was my thing. Well, I I had to choose when I was, uh, you know, a, an early teenager. I could have a 64 or I could have a PlayStation. Um, and I got a PlayStation because that's where all the Final Fantasies were. So mm-hmm. I still played Zelda and stuff, but that was always on my friends' systems. I never had one. Mentioning Final Fantasy, did you ever play either of the Kingdom Hearts games? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I did. Love those games. <laughs> I, I was really skeptical at first when they were like, we're going to make a, this game, right? And it's going to be Squaresoft and Disney. And I was like, why Why would you need to do that? But they, they're they really cool. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The, the inner kid in me came out when you go to, you know, the Little Mermaid world or you go to Agrabah and meet Aladdin. And it's, you've got Donald and Goofy on your team. And then you have Aladdin and all these, you know, Disney films cross over and just seeing that is like a little geek out moment. Yeah. I I think that they, they did them really well. The first one is really annoying to go back and play because the mechanics, the uh, like the controls are so clunky now. Yeah. But um, I think they're, they're great. They're a really good mix, you know, of the, the Disney stuff and the, the more Japanese RPG final fantasy type stuff. Yeah, I'm really excited for the third one to come out whenever they finally decide to finish it. Yeah, in like 10 years. Yeah, something like that. I'm just, I've got my fingers crossed that since Disney now owns Marvel and Star Wars, that we'll get some type of, you know, space battle or you get to go to like Hoth or Endor from Star Wars. That would be so great. Yeah, I'm sure they'll do something like that. I know they already confirmed that they're including um, Big Hero 6, which is really cool. I never saw that movie. Oh, it's really cool. That's, that's what I've heard. I've heard that it's one of their best movies that they've done. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, it's definitely up there. So I'll definitely have to check that. I haven't seen Inside Out either, and I've heard that Man, was really good. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it? It's so sad. Like, it, it's really good. But um, because it's about, you know, a, a young girl and her emotions and, and all that sort of stuff, um, I have a very young daughter. And so it was really brutal to watch all this sad stuff. So may, maybe it'll be different if you don't have kids, but it was pretty bad. Yeah, Pixar likes to tug at the heartstrings. Yeah, they, they do it really well. Because I still think the opening sequence of Up was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. I, I knew what you were going to say before you said it. <laughs> well, even the, the, the ending of Toy Story 3 was kind of depressing, too, in a way. Yeah. At least that was, you know, like a... It was sad in a different way. Yeah, it was like an ending, but it wasn't really. So it was it was okay. But the first ten minutes of Up were just like, yeah, she did. <laughs> That's pretty much how it is. But I, I remember I, I didn't see up in theaters. I didn't see it till it came out on Blu-ray. But when we went and saw Toy Story three, me and a few friends of mine, 
I'm not going to lie. I had tears at the end of Toy Story 3 when Andy drives away. Oh, yeah. Because as someone who was a kid when Toy Story came out, it's kind of like the movie grew up with people my age. Yeah, I, I think that Toy Story 3 was for people our age. It wasn't for kids. You know, It was for the people who watched Toy Story when they were 10. Oh, absolutely. And I, I remember when they announced that they were making a third one, I was thinking, I, I don't know if you know it can be anywhere near as good as the first one. I mean, the second one was okay, but it wasn't up to par with the first one, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think so. But when they announced that it was going to be Andy being older and going to college, I'm like, this will work. Yeah, and it did. And now they're going to make a fourth one, which I'm not too sure <laughs> for, about. For some reason. Yeah, it's supposed to be a love story between Woody and Bo Peep. Really? <laughs> yeah. I Why mean, well, they that? said that if they made a fourth one, they wanted to make it a completely different type of movie. Right. But I, I just don't understand why you can't leave it as a really good trilogy. Yeah. Because they got to make that money. That's yeah. That's really what it all comes down to. <laughs> so, uh, in closing, I'd like to ask uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, do you have a website or any uh, social media you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, um, my my website is also my blog. It's just tsbarnett.com. Um, I don't update it as much as I should, but I try to put cool stuff on there. Um, and everybody can always find me on Facebook. My name is Tess Barnett. I friend everybody, so uh, I want to hear from everybody. Uh, and one more quick thing: Do you have any uh, upcoming convention appearances? Uh, yeah, um, I'm actually, I'm going to be at Geekonomicon, which is in Biloxi on December the 11th through the 13th, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to be at Pensacon in February. Oh, very cool. I'll definitely see you at Pensacon. Yeah, for sure. All right, Tess. Well, thank you very much for doing the interview. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had fun. Thank you. My thanks again to T.S. Barnett for coming on the show and having that wonderful conversation about books and video games. Be sure to check out her work at tsbarnett.com. Next week is going to be a jam-packed episode. I have not one but two guests, the host of the Weekend Geek radio show, David DeCorbier and Brian Held. They host a weekly radio show based out of New Orleans called The Weekend Geek. And if you're into nerd news, you're definitely going to want to check out this episode. We talk a lot about Star Wars and the upcoming Batman vs. Superman film. So if you're looking forward to either of those, you definitely want to check out the show next week. And until then, if you want to catch up on past episodes of this podcast, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. Also coming soon to SoundCloud and Google Play in early 2016. You can also follow me on social media. On Facebook, just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Derek underscore Diamond. And you can follow the show at DDE underscore podcast. And that's it for this week, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>